Sisters Talk Brothers is a spoiler-filled podcast about the TV show Supernatural. Music credit goes to Hans Adam and their song in the Creative Commons called Paint the Sky. Driver picks the music, Shotgun shuts his cake hole. On with the show. How's it going? Hannah, how's it going with you? Me? Yeah, you. Pretty good. I've, I've almost got all the Christmas stuff out of the way. Nice. Oh, one thing though. I did lose mom's present. I'm gonna have to get another one. I, I, like, I tossed it in the closet when she came to visit and then I searched my closet and it wasn't there. So I don't know. Okay. Well first, this is Sisters Talk Brothers where we talk about the Winchester brothers, even though they're not real brothers and we are real sisters, as evidenced by the fact that we're talking Christmas and presents lost for our mother. Oh no, what if she listens to this Uh in February when this comes out? (laughs) (laughs) She'll know that there was previously a mishap, but it all eventually worked out. And she'll know that you worked extra hard to show her your love over Christmas. Yes. Ah, tis the season. And how dare you say they're not real brothers? Well, I mean, they're fictional brothers. Unless this is all real. Yeah. Yeah, it's all real. I'm not, I haven't had enough wine yet to even begin to cope with that extra meta level of thinking. So, Hannah. So, Kendall. We're talking a lot of different things today. Yeah. But I feel like this is the first time we spend real time in a graveyard. In this episode, we are about to speak about at length. Yeah, I made a note about Dean having trouble. (laughs) So much trouble. So, well, I mean, have you ever had trouble in a graveyard? Yeah. (laughs) I love that your answer is yes for that. All right. As I snuggle up with my wine on this cold Christmas-y day, tell me about your troubles (laughs) with... Graveyards. Okay. This is probably, I was going to say a couple years ago, but I really have no idea. Me, my friend Abby, and Brett decided to go walk around a graveyard for Mm -hmm. the hell of it. And um, I wouldn't say that I'm a ghost hunter. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say that about you either. I mean, I'm not one to just believe wholeheartedly, but I am open-minded. So I was a little cautious. And like we walked around and and there was this really cool tree and we like got out our cameras and I took a picture of Abby. And when I did the flash, it showed this big shadow behind her. And, (laughs) And after I took the picture, I was like, hey, Abby. I don't want to freak you out or nothing, but uh, <laughs> I think there's a giant shadow behind you. And she was like, yeah, I kind of had a feeling. <laughs> so I was like, how about we, like, go? <laughs> and she was like, okay. So me, her, and Brett left. <laughs> Ooh, that is pretty spooky. I have a 
spooky story, but it's not cemetery related. So we'll save that spooky story for later episodes. My cemetery story is not very spooky. More this weird heebie-jeebies, existential, oh my god, mortality, I'm gonna die someday. Mm -hmm. So you didn't go to the local high school. So you missed the whole American History Project where we had to go around all the local cemeteries and try and get gravestone rubbings from people who had died in each of the wars that America was involved in. I remember you uh, getting gravestone rubbings vaguely. Yes. And so, you know, all well and good. It's interesting to be in close contact and in close contact with America's history and with the actual real-life small folk who lived and impacted American history. Until we found a Revolutionary War headstone and... The name on the gravestone was Kindle. Oh. <laughs> now, was it the last name? So, folks, well, yeah. So, folks at home who don't know our family history, Kindle is actually a family last name that I was given as a first name, and a couple girls in our family were given as first names. But my mom's favorite favorite person was her grandpappy Kindle. So I got named Kindle after my great grandpappy. Mom actually did the ancestry thing for a while and one of the most interesting things she told me was there was an obituary for one of her great great whatevers and the obituary read that he had visited a house of pleasure and then he went to a restaurant sat down leaned his head back and died you know what what a way to go right what a way to go i mean doesn't seem like a bad day to me way to go great great grand whoever. I always enjoyed the story about how one part of our ancestors were trying to emigrate over to like England or Ireland, one of the islands, you know, mm-hmm. and on the boat ride over, they're like, gee, this is great. You know, we, we booked passage, we're making a new life. Awesome. And then they landed and the ship captain turned around and said, huh, funny story, folks. <laughs> Seems like I owe this portmaster a lot of money. So I'm going to sell you guys to him. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so our family was sold into an indentured servitude for several years to pay off this boat captain's debt. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's our luck. <laughs> I can see that happening to us now. <laughs> I would make a great servant. <laughs> so... Great, great graves, graveyard, gravestone, family talk. I love this family style. <laughs> so, this episode we're talking about today, Hannah, I got some factoids, mostly from IMDb because the supernatural Lakia was not very friendly with me on uh, this day. Hmm. But this particular episode we're about to talk about was supposed to happen after Wendigo. No, I, I didn't know it was supposed to happen after Wendigo. Yeah, well, thing was, Mr. Kripke, 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 said it's not scary enough. So he told the d- the director, "Go back, work on it, make it scarier." That makes a lot of sense because when I was on my Supernatural season one DVD, there was deleted scenes, huh. and the very first one that it had was the opening scene of this episode. 
And it's been so long since I watched it that I didn't think anything of it. I was like, this is pretty much what happened. But then when I went to play the episode, everything in that scene was different. Like, it was a different car, a different person. She was wearing a different top. And her behavior was also different because in this deleted scene, he had said, well, you can trust me. I'm a doctor. And she was like, well, since you're a doctor, I have this pain. And she undoes her seatbelt and, like, starts kissing him. She made the first move in the deleted scene. That's terrible. Wow. I'm so glad Kripke sent this back to the factory. (laughs) Wow. Also... In the deleted scenes, Sam was on the phone trying to get clarification on something, and his ID was saying that he was Francis. So that's why when he walked up to Dean, and Dean was like, well, hey there, Francis, that's why, because Dean had made that ID for him, and Sam was like, please give me a more gender-appropriate name next time. And in another deleted scene, she pulls a condom out of a pair of jeans and like looks really confused about it. And that was it for the deleted scenes. You're welcome. I I love that. Well, even with all the great changes, this apparently was listed as one one of Mr. Kripke's least favorite episodes. I don't blame him. It's not one of my favorites either. I only have a page and a half of notes. Well, with all that said, let's get into Season 1, Episode 7, Hookman. So we are... First hit with the same old recap. yippee ki yay Then we cut to Eastern Iowa University, which is a fictional location, which I'm guessing, according to the interwebs, it's a fictional university created by an author named Stephen Berry. Burry? Burry? And the only reason why I bring up this very tiny fact, one, because... I'm trying to keep track of the places and if they are real or not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's fun for me. Also, if this fact is true, I don't know why they reference an established fictional place in someone else's story instead of making their own. It would be like if they said, oh, this story takes place in Riverdale or some other well-known fictional place. This takes place in Hobbington. (laughs) This takes place in Hogwarts. I mean, there might be a Riverdale because there's a Glendale somewhere around here. No, but you're... All right, my point is... I, know, I get your point, I just... Okay, I'm... Riverdale was the first place I thought of. Archie and the gang. I don't know. That show is intense. It encourages... It encourages crossovers. So I look into this book thinking, all right, maybe this is a book one of the writers really loved, and I don't know. Maybe it's Supernatural? It's a real book. Oh, it's called... I did not write down the name of it. It was a single... It's <laughs> <laughs> a great it a, name. It was a single word title, like Echoes or something. And it takes place in Iowa, and it's a weird, good Americans fight terrorism thriller novel. One of the summaries I read actually mentioned Saddam by first name as one of the plot pieces, if not one of the characters. What? Like Hussein? Yeah, Saddam Hussein. (laughs) Like, this this backwoods Iowan sheriff takes on terrorism, basically. Okay. So, my question is, when is Supernatural going to follow up on this crossover they've initiated? Yeah. (laughs) If Eastern Iowa University only exists in this episode of Supernatural and that book. I mean, if you think about it, all of their Supernatural talents 
they could use that to fight the terrorists, and we wouldn't have a terrorist problem anymore. Because, I mean, we've seen them take on human baddies before. They, they would take care of this terrorist problem in less than a week. <laughs> it could be argued that they are fighting supernatural terrorism. <laughs> They're fighting terrorists, just not in the public eye. <laughs> Anyhow, we're in a dorm room while Lori's asking her BFF? For clothing advice, really bad acting, hated this, but Lori is easily converted from conservative to hell yeah, and goes on a well, date the top with... she was wearing in the deleted scene was like a happy middle between the red top and the Martha Stewart top, so they could have at least stuck with that. But the red top is much more 2005-2006 Abercrombie Hollister, you know? That red top would have worked better with the whole... Doctor, I'm in pain. <laughs> I am so glad they did not keep that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is her is her latest kissing partner a future doctor? Was that what that was all about? I don't know, but the guy from the deleted scene was definitely cuter than the one that ended up in the show. Yeah, no, he's not a, he's not he's not cute. In my very gay opinion, he's not an attractive. <laughs> he's not that attractive. <laughs> No slurs against him. He's great. Everybody's beautiful. Just not to... Man, I hate saying, like, negative shit like that, because I'm like, but no, everybody's beautiful, and I love everyone. <laughs> Everybody is attracted to different things, so even if you don't find someone attractive, that doesn't mean they're ugly, because someone out there finds them attractive. Absolutely. I should just... Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That is... Those are my thoughts exactly. <laughs> so, their date is going to a party, but first, you've got to park under an old bridge so that you can makey-makey-outy-outy. Yeah, that's what the kids say. Exactly. That's what all the hipsters today say. So she teases him about, oh, this is on purpose, and then she starts the makeout when her dad calls, which I could not think of. There is a word for it. The female version of a cock blocker. Um... God, there is a word. Um, is it? I think it's. I think it's pretty bad though to say, like a cunt shunt or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Like, okay. Pussy patrol? No, pussy patrol is from Kill Bill. Huh. Well, whatever. No, that truck was the pussy wagon. Oh. Why make me say these words, Kindle? Because they're great words. No. And they're our words to own. I mean, cunt is a powerful word, and pussy's not a powerful word, and I just don't want to say these words. Okay. I respect that. Fine. Do you know we see the hook before he actually does anything? I don't know if I noticed that before, but in in the trees, you see his hook before anything happens to them. Yes. So, she's not letting Daddy stop her, and they get back to the makey-makey-outy-outy, but then... <sighs> Brad wants to, like, cop a feel, and as as soon as she gets uncomfortable, we do see our person with an obvious hook in the woods. Back in the car, Brad was like, oh yeah, it's totally cool, let's just make out, but then tries to feel her up again, and she's like, fuck you. At which point they hear that awful, awful sound of metal screeching against metal. because yeah, he's just going around scratching up road signs, as you do. Well, hey, if I were an evil, murderous person... I would scratch up road signs just to taunt people with the horrible metal-on-metal metal screeching sound. <sighs> so this sound is weird enough and out-of-place enough to kind of end the mojo. So our hook 
man, because even though we don't know what it is yet, I don't know what else to call them. Like a, a man hook? The, the man with the hook? Or do we even know that this person's a man? I haven't, I didn't see them identify themselves. So. Well, it is the spirit of Jacob Barnes? Carnes? Did we see Jacob Carnes identify themselves? No. No. So this is a non-gendered hook person? <laughs> okay. Hook person. So our hook person uh, scrapes through the nine-mile road sign before vanishing, which was a very good effect. Like, I had to rewind because I blinked and I actually missed it. <laughs> oh, I must have missed it, too, because I made note. I was, like, visible, then invisible. Like, make up your mind. Mm-hmm. They faded out of sight really quickly, and it was a good effect. High five, supernatural, well done. So, Brad, who I guess is called Rich at this point, but whatever. Yeah, I, I was going to correct you, but then I wasn't sure. Well, they didn't name him, and he just looked like such a Brad, you know? Well, they do name him later. Yeah, but he's a Brad. So He is such a Brad. He's such a Brad. Brad leaves the car to go investigate. Instead of driving away like a sane person, a Rich would drive away like a sane person. A Brad yeah. gets out of a car to look around. And he sees this giant, like, gash appear in his car just screeching down the side of it and then a tire is punctured and then the back window is smashed and at this point i'm wondering what does our hook person have against cars <laughs> brad's nowhere to be found so Lori locks up the car rolls up the window and just sits there instead of driving away like a sane person yeah i, I was like why not just start the car and leave like <laughs> i mean i get okay fair i guess she just found this great kissing partner who wants to fill her up, and she wants to Ew. do the bad things, but she's Ew. just not ready yet, but she wants to Ew. do the bad things with him. So she's not going to just leave him there, even though a little bit later she does decide to just leave him there. <laughs> so yeah, she it gets quiet for a second, so she's like, I'm just going to leave now. <laughs> Fuck you, Brad. I'm gone. Those sweet lips aren't worth it. No. But as she's leaving, not in the car, mind you. But by foot, because lorries aren't sane, I guess. Lorries aren't smart. I, I guess not. She turns around like Sodom and Gomorrah style to see Brad hanging dead by his feet, which is an odd way to kill someone, really, if you think about it. Yeah. I wouldn't have turned around. I just, I would have kept going. I would have driven away. Yeah. So we cut, we cut to the boys, and they're at this cute outdoor truck cafe, and... Dean is teasing Sam because Sam has good taste in coffee. Your uh, half-cab double vanilla latte is getting gold over here, Francis. They've been checking with the FBI and tracking driving violations, trying to find their dad. But nothing is working. Sam is super frustrated and starts to, like, rage punch his coffee. And Sam was like, well, what if he's in trouble? What if he needs our help? I'm like, he is a grown-ass man. Also, if he's in trouble, he should contact you and communicate like a grown-ass man. Right? So, check this out. Dean shows him a potential case, because the attacker was invisible. And this case is in Ankeny, Iowa, which is a real place. Ooh. Even if nothing within it or around it referenced is. And just for future reference, the real Ankeny, Iowa is in Polk County. Yes, this will come up because apparently this is what I care about these days. <laughs> also, I feel like we don't mention it enough, but the Impala. That's a the reoccurring theme. Wait, we see the Impala every episode, and Sam is just 
too large. His hands barely reach the Impala door handles. He's, <laughs> it looks like a toy car next to him. I was catching up on Supernatural the other day, and we had the subtitles on. And even in the subtitles, when the Impala was rolling up, it would say, Baby. Yeah. <laughs> it was so sweet. At this point, though, we're only seven episodes in, and the Impala has not been named. Like, except for quick squeaky dean over the oh we're gonna make note of when she's officially baby or at least i will yeah except for a really quick uh dean over the skin changer driving it neither of them have made a big deal about the car yet but hey impala we see you and we'll see you soon we love you so we drive up to a fraternity house where boys are working on cars quick question what kind of psycho eats a banana and drinks a beer while working on their car Go, answer me. Ew. I didn't notice that. Why did you tell me? Because as they drive up, this young college boy is eating a peeled banana while bent over a car and a beer bottle rests on the top of the car. Why? The only thing I can say is apparently frat boys drink all the time, but at least he's trying to get his potassium. Maybe it's a light beer and he's watching his calories and this is his mid-afternoon snack. I still say step away from the, the car for a second. A beer. <laughs> Just step away for a second and have your snack and then go back to your beer and cars. Ugh. Frat boy afternoon. Bananas and light beer. The brothers don't talk while driving apparently so they do a quick catch-up before approaching these frat brethren. It's not even for each other. It's for us. I hate it. They hate it. And they claim to be similar frat brethren, transferring from Ohio. And they go meet their new roommate, who is painting himself purple. Murphy! Murphy. Which, come on, smart Dean. He figured out Murphy's name from a magazine address. Very cool. But Dean's masculinity is just too frail to paint a person, if that person is a dude. So he passes it on to Sam. And, I mean, Sam doesn't even... You know, I mean, you can tell he doesn't want to. Duh. Who wants to just go paint a stranger's back? I mean, I would, but that's not the point. He doesn't even do a good <laughs> job. He's just like, half-ass, moving the brush around. And I'm like, if you're going to do it, do it right, Sam. It would be more with Sam's personality. So I'm going to say the actor was still figuring out who Sam is as a person. Because I feel like the Sam mm -hmm. we know would actually say, all right, stand still. We're going to get this. We're going to make this happen for you, bro. Raise your arms. I in perfection in all things. You can't have blank pits. But everyone's going to know that I painted you, so you've got to look great. You're going to be the best purple man at this game. Everyone's going to be looking at you and miss the game because they're going to be saying, Damn, he's so purple. <laughs> yes. They quiz Murphy about the murder and about Lori Sorensen, and we learn that she is a preacher's daughter. Bow, chicka, bow, bow. Because we all know about preacher's daughters. No, we don't. Any preacher's child is the rowdiest child. I, I disagree with that. Nah, I could argue, but it might be a little too personal. But preacher's children are usually raised with the strictest, least flexible morals. And their lives are the most controlled. So when they actually start coming into their individualism and adulthood and can think for themselves and they want to explore the world in their own adult rights. They take things to extremes. They find those desires squelched by their religious, overly religious parents. Their religious overlords. Their religious overlords, exactly. And so 
in their anger at not being trusted to follow the rules they were raised with, they act out more. Fine, I will give you that. And perhaps this isn't so true with more modern religious leaders, but certainly when this, mm, not trope, but stereotype arose between the, Mm -hmm. what, 1940s up until the 1990s or so, like, oh, we're getting the preacher's daughter. Yeah, it's oh, basically a guarantee because a lot of the preachers we grew up with are just controlling assholes. So, <laughs> yeah, I feel, I, I, I understood Lori a lot in this. Mm. So they figure out what church, and they go to it. And Lori's daddy is up there giving a sermon about this tragedy. And boy, does she spot Sam as soon as he walks in. Like, she... Like, pinpoints him, and it's over. Well, they make a really noisy entrance. Yeah, but she could have looked at Dean. But no, she had her eyes set on Sam. Definitely. Definitely. I do feel like either they told her to hold that stare for a long time, or... Or the actress just could not help herself. I I, I guess. But they, like, the camera stayed on her for a long time. They want you to know that she is interested in Sam's presence in her church. The service ends, and while exiting, the BFF slash roommate tries to convince Lori to come get, like, grief drunk with the girls and watch terrible TV, which is such a great idea. Your kissing partner just died horribly, gruesomely. You have issues to work out. Let loose and be a little ridiculous just to vent some of it. But... Daddy always makes dinner on Sunday, so, oh no, choices. Daddy just wouldn't understand. So, BFF leaves. Well, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I feel like if she always has Sunday dinners with her dad. (laughs) It's a good tradition, and there is comfort in tradition. At the same time, I feel like there are, there have to be exceptions to traditions. You can't just do tradition for tradition's sake. Right, I mean, I, I could understand, but if it's just to get drunk with your friends, like, I don't know. But I'm saying in this moment, that would be really therapeutic. You know, there's therapy to be found in having a simple meal with your family, and then there's therapy to be found in having a few too many glasses of wine, or in this case, too many shots of tequila, and watching terrible TV, and laughing and crying, and, you know, with some great friends. Okay, I'm, I'm just bias in my own ways, like, towards family, against drinking. (laughs) She's not, you're not saying, oh, I prefer drinking over family. It's saying, I always have dinner with my family. In this instance, maybe it would help me to spend time with my friends. Yeah, okay. Alright. It doesn't matter, though. She leaves, or the best friend leaves, and Sam and Dean literally swoop in. (laughs) They use the same transfer story on Lori as though any normal person who just came to a brand new school in a brand new town would hear there's been a tragedy and immediately attend the specific church of the girlfriend in order to offer their condolences. Very normal. Yeah, no, that's weird. Totally normal, dudes. You completely understand how the average Joe and Jane lead their lives. Daddy walks up to get introduced, and Dean schmoozes. It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. I must say that was an inspiring sermon. The dad figure drops some line like, oh, I'm so glad to see people are, young people interested in God. And Dean does a face like, mm, yeah, uh, I'm just going to smile and nod and let's, let's go over here and talk about churches. <laughs> <laughs> I love the good word. So 
Dean plays his part so that Sam can soft voice Lori to get her story. It's okay. That's basically all that happens in the scene. The camera quality through this whole scene was weird. Was that me and Netflix or what? Well, I didn't notice anything on the camera quality, but what I did notice was um, when Sam was trying to connect with Lori about losing someone that he cared about, he had this strange look on his face, like he was almost smiling, and it just, it felt awkward to me. It, It was like he was making up having lost someone, but we know that's not true. The way I interpreted this was he doesn't like using Jess as a tool in his belt. Okay, so he was trying to distance himself from it and talk about it as casually and impersonally as possible. So that's why it was awkward. he's not actually trying to connect with the person. He's trying to get them to fess up. Right, okay. And he didn't like using that. Okay, that, that makes more sense for me as to why it felt weird. You're right, he made a very weird face. Yeah. We immediately cut to a very crass dean at the library. But hey, library! Library! I had never heard of the Hookman until watching this episode for the first time many years ago. Had never heard of the Hookman. Like, I guess I was just sheltered when it comes to urban legends. I don't know. I never knew of it either. But again, we were sheltered young children, so... (laughs) Yeah, this is where they figure out that it's a hook person. Can we just talk about the library real quick, though? Yeah. So we were in the library in Baby Mary, and we thought, mm-hmm. oh, this is our last time in a library. Say goodbye to libraries. But then we saw this library, and we are in this library a lot. And it made me think there's also the episode where they go to the library to get the Jewish grandpa's book about golems to help mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. surviving grandson fight the Nazis. <laughs> As you do. Which, like, what a sentence. <laughs> Only with Supernatural, right? Right. And there's also a library in season 14, even though it's not used, it's just a place. But we're never done with libraries. So I wonder if maybe libraries Mm. should be a theme. I mean, the Baby Mary episode, it felt like the last library episode because they walked in there and all the computers were out of order. Yeah. (laughs) And so to me, that kind of felt like a finality to libraries because it was like, well, they don't have computers. We can have our own computers now. (laughs) Who needs books? And they lingered on the name of the library for a long time as though it mattered. Like, okay, folks, say goodbye to libraries. Although, okay, to be fair, this episode was supposed to happen before Baby Mary, so maybe. Good point, good point. Maybe. Anywho, we're at the library, and listen to this. Sam describes the murder scene, and the boys immediately land on our monster of the week. So, name that monster! Yes, Hannah, neither you nor I knew of this creature before this episode, and I honestly did not believe it was even a real thing before researching. Well, I I did later on kind of know about it, because there was a meme that I was only vaguely aware of, the car hook hand door thing. Yeah, so let me, <laughs> let me get into that. Should I do my presenting voice? 
Yes, please. So, this hook person is a real urban legend, and they are a lover's lane killer. Oh. So, you know the trope of two lovers necking in their car? They hear a news bulletin saying, Be on the lookout for a serial killer. Be on the lookout for an escaped person. Be on the lookout for a mental patient. Be on the lookout for a insert scary thing here. <laughs> and the lovers laugh and go back to smooching, and then they get killed. That's the legend of The Hook. Lovers Lane Killers apparently is not a trope, and a real thing killers get called when they kill people in cars. And if the killer has a hook, it gets filed under that urban legend of The Hook. The legend seems to have started in the 1950s, since that's when parking and necking began. For the babies out there listening, parking and necking is what Lori and Brad did, because Netflix and Chill didn't exist yet. The legend really took off when someone wrote into a Dear Abby column describing a similar scenario as above, only the kids got home safely, and the boy noticed after that there was a hook hanging from a door handle. Spooky. So, thanks for stopping by to learn about our monster. So, our boys now hypothize? They hypothize. Hypothize? Hi they hypothesize. I like hypothize. <laughs> that sounds like you've got really large thighs. I got hypothize. I got hypothize. <laughs> they hypothize that this whole time, instead of the urban legend being based off a real human criminal, that our hook person was actually a spirit this whole time, terrorizing all those teens. Can you believe it? And yes, they're still calling them spirits instead of ghosts. And I... Bleh. So, they've got to find out whom this spirit belongs to. So they go to the arrest records, because they figure this motherfucker must be really violent. The records go back 150 years. So they spend quite a long time. That's, that's just a lot of research. I mean, I know they do a lot of research, but like when she sat down that stack of files. That hadn't been touched God. in eons. Yeah, like crusted with dust. I was just like, man, yeah. that sucks. This is more than a Wikipedia page on demons. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, Sam finds a guy. He finds a preacher named Jacob Carnes who killed a lot of prostitutes on Nine Mile Road with a hook and then hung them upside down. So kind of like the Ripper. I don't know if he was religious. I was thinking more of like a, a deer hunter. <laughs> Lori goes back to her sorority after dinner with Daddy, and Daddy just can't drop her off without some condescending talk about what those girls get up to. There are 22 girls in there. I'm perfectly safe. That's exactly what I'm worried about. You don't think I know what goes on in there? Lori and myself say, spare me. This is what I was talking about. He's classic case of a controlling parent. A parent who has faith in how they've raised their child and in the goodness of their child doesn't need to control every iota of their lives. If you trust your kid to understand you that you say, hey, if you drink X amount, you lose control of yourself. And if you drink X amount and there you're in unsafe places, bad things can happen to you, then you can trust your child to go out into the world and use drugs 
responsibly, right? Well, I mean, the job of a parent is to prepare your child for the world. Not protect them from it. You can't control what they do, and you can't control who they meet. You, You just try to prepare them for situations that they will encounter and hope that they make the best decision. You raise them to be the best person that they can and try and teach them right from wrong. If you believe that they know right from wrong, then you shouldn't have to worry exactly. as much. It's, I mean, you're always going to worry if you're a parent, but... You're always going to worry as a parent, but he's doing more than worrying. He doesn't trust her to make the right decisions around... Because I guess he thinks she's just surrounded by all these heathens. So even if she would make the right decision most of the time, she's being influenced and she won't make the right choices anymore. I'm over 18. I can live my own life. Oh, which means drinking, partying with that roommate of yours. I'm an adult. I can take care of myself. And I think we come to understand later on why he's acting this way because he's trying to put on this good man preacher front when he too is in the wrong. And so when you're a hypocrite... (laughs) One way of exercising your own guilt is to project it onto other people. Right. right. Like they say, if you're cheating in a relationship, then you're more suspicious of your partner cheating. So if you are a godly man doing ungodly things, well, not that it was actually ungodly of him. It's a little ungodly. Then you're more likely to be suspicious of your child doing wrong because you're doing wrong. I guess it was just, like, I don't even know why this was such a sensitive thing for me, because I was never treated this way. Not really. Because by the time I was in my teens, Mm -hmm. it was just our mom, and she always trusted me to be a smart, rational adult. But I just got so angry on Lori's defense. If we even saw any evidence of Lori being a little wild, I would understand, say, like, yes, dad. Absolutely. You should you might want to be <laughs> you might want to check up on your daughter a little more. But she tried to go to a date on a very difficult tight lace button up. She's she's not a, a hussy. <laughs> she's not wild. She's a chill conservative preacher's daughter. It's that's the wild part. Oh my gosh. It's your fault. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, our our mom isn't controlling and never has been. But, like, anytime we, well, I don't know about you, but me, anytime I did wrong, I got an appropriate punishment, but it, it wasn't, I wasn't, like, preemptively punished. <laughs> no parent is perfect, and ours isn't either, but she's pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. Inside her sorority, Lori senses something weird, I guess, because she pauses at the top of the stairs. Uh, no, there was a scratch on the wall. No, I noticed that, but oh, okay. she pauses before, and then she looks over. I don't know. It was weird. This whole thing was just so that we could stop in the stair in the like stairwell long enough to see the scratch along the wall. She enters her room. Her roommate. We finally learn her name halfway through this episode. Her name is Taylor. I still think it's Haley. I don't know why. Yeah, you're right. She just seemed like a Haley to me. I agree. She. Definitely looks more like a Haley than a Taylor. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable renaming her since... (laughs) Although they waited even longer to give us her name than (laughs) they did Brad's. Yeah, they did. All right, is she she Haley now? 
Yeah, she's Haley for me. All right. So, for some reason, she wants to ask Haley, are you awake? Which is dumb and rude, because Haley's laying there, you know, with her eyes closed. Of course she's obviously asleep. Or pretending and doesn't want to be bothered. Right? Yeah. Respect it. The only time I think you're okay to ask, are you awake, and then insist that either they don't ignore you or wake up is when you are in dire emotional stress slash need for their comfort. Yeah, like you need something. She didn't need anything. Nope, she just wanted to catch up, say hi. So whatever, she goes in the bathroom to change. Our boys, they go and visit Nine Mile Road because they're gonna hunt a ghostie. And we get some more of the thing I hate, which is talk to the audience through condescending Sam shit. If it is a spirit, Buckshot won't do much good. Yeah, rock salt. <laughs> salt being a spirit deterrent. Dean is ahead of him and somehow not rolling his eyes. Sam does admit that it is pretty genius putting salt into the shotgun rounds. Yeah, this was our first rock salt, and I I, I never r- realized or maybe didn't pay attention, you know, the first time watching, but it was Dean's idea, because Sam was like, do you think John ever thought of this? And Dean was like, well, you don't need a college education to be a genius. And I was just so blown away, like, of course Dean thought of this. He is so smart. He is so smart. My issue with this, though, isn't that he didn't think of it himself. He definitely thought of it himself. I don't think this is an idea in isolation. Because I feel like when we meet hunters in the future, they also have this technology. Yeah, like, I don't think he was the only one to have thought of it. Because later on, we have that lovely line from Bobby where he's like, I'll shoot you so full of rock salt, you'll be pooping margaritas. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, I, I probably butchered that, but I love that line so much. Yeah, so very proud of Dean. Super brilliant. But they are kind of hunters in isolation their whole lives. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've ever met other hunters. Not that have been referenced or that... I seem to remember in the future when they meet other hunters, they're almost shocked that there are others out there like them. Yeah, I mean, we, we learn later on that they knew of Bobby. And we learn later on that they knew about Pastor... Oh, yeah. Jacob? That dude. They meet him when they start meeting angels, right? No, no. Meg was killing off friends of John to get John to come out of hiding. Okay, right. When we met demons. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, they knew a couple people, but I don't think they actually knew out-and-out hunters. Because Bobby was a homebody. He was kind of like the men of letters, post-men of letters. Yeah. Yeah. So. He'd have been a great men of letters. Ugh. The boys hear something in the woods, and the camera people in editing really draw it out for scary scares, but it's just a police officer. Who could it be? Who could it be? Who's out there? And I love Dean's defense to the sheriff as they're getting arrested, and it's beautiful. He had the gun. I just wanted to admire the moment where they get arrested on Nine Mile Road. All right. What does Lori do again? I... She left their bedroom door wide open. And, I mean, I guess maybe they're just that close and personal with all their other sorority mates, but... Well, we know Lori's not going to be masturbating, so... It's not like she... Come (sighs) on. Haley might. She might wake up in the middle of the night and feel like getting busy with herself. but Haley? 
was in bed Wouldn't early. care if the door was open. You're right. But Haley was in bed <laughs> early on a Sunday night. I don't know what she got up to or how day drunk she got on tequila, <laughs> but <laughs> she just needed to pass out. She wasn't up to any spanky spank. So... <laughs> and Lori is just too much of a goody two-shoes. I doubt she even knows where her junk is located. Lord. So, but you're right. She leaves all the doors open, and she goes to bed, and the camera pans over so we can see a dark figure standing in the corner created by the open bathroom and bedroom doors. Ooh. Well, yeah, they had her leave it open for plot purposes because that's where he was hiding. Next morning, our BFF Haley is hella dead. Hella. This couldn't be deader. And on the wall, written in scratches and blood, is which is just which is just overkill. overkill. <laughs> Thank you. You're so with me on this. <laughs> are a symbol and the words, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Which <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know about you, and 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 being as I think Sam said, you know, that it fits in perfectly with the legend, and I don't know anything about the legend, but I didn't like that there was a message for her on the wall because we learn later on that he's acting off of her instinct. So I have so many things to say about this. One, I completely agree like, with why you. Why would he make this vaguely threatening message at her when he's doing what she subconsciously feels? Yeah, it's kind of weird that our hook person is, in a sense, taunting its master. Yeah. yeah. Like, wouldn't you think, oh, wish you turn on the light, master. You could have seen me kill this person. Isn't justice served now? Longer message, to be sure, but a little more in character. Get a load of this, Lori. <laughs> 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 that message I could have gotten behind. Yeah. Like, In the words of Sam you. and Dean, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check this out, Lori. Yeah. And you could put, like, a little heart. <laughs> uh, Lori, wow, I'm a big kid now. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. <clears throat> okay, so Sam and Dean escape justice due to a fraternity hazing story that Dean spun for the sheriff. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. It was pretty good. He mixed the truth with the lies, and everyone knows the best lies are based on truth. As they are leaving, they see a bunch of cops peel out and are curious. Because obviously it has to do with our case. You know, if an ambulance drives by at 5.30 in the morning while you're checking out the back lot of a house, it's probably related to you. Yeah. So, as they are leaving and as the cops are peeling out, we get a close-up of the sheriff's station name. And the sign says Calumet County, or Calumet County. <gasps> no way! Really? Oh, okay, I don't know where you're going with this. You're not as excited as me. There's a documentary on Netflix, How to Make a Murderer. Okay, well, Hannah, get this. Calumet County is in Wisconsin. Yeah, it is, because that's where the documentary was made. Yes. So, Ankeny, Ohio, is not in Calumet County. It's in Polk County, no. remember? Mm -hmm. Now, in Iowa, there is a Calumet, Calumet, Calumet city, but it's in O'Brien County, Iowa. Uh, so, they weren't in Canada? Is there a Calumet County in Canada? I, I don't know where the fuck they are. They're in some fictional place in Iowa that is battling terrorism as we speak. <laughs> 
I don't know, Hannah. They're all beautiful people, and somebody's attracted to all of them. (sighs) (laughs) Anyways, I just wanted to update our tried-and-true listeners who know how important it is to get the place correct. (laughs) I also just want people to go onto the Supernatural Wiki and the IMDb's and list this trivia and say, I learned this on Sisters Talk Brothers. That would be nice. Yeah. Sisters Talk Brothers, catching the small and uninteresting stuff. Wink. <laughs> Wink. So our boys, they know something is up and it's related to their case. So they drive by and they see Lori shell-shocked and she sees them and too. And she is just eyeing him down. Just staring. I'm pretty sure she eye-bangs him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's letting it happen too because he's staring right back at her. He's... He's got a thing for the dirty blondes. Yeah. And we don't know what Jess's familial background is. Perchance she was also a preacher's daughter. Uh, No. Sexy nurse costume argues yes. So, back at the crime scene, Daddy big dogs the sheriff so he can take Lori home. Meanwhile... Sam and Dean circle back so they can sneak into the sorority while wondering, gee, why has our ghost strayed away from Nine Mile? They get inside super easily because, just so happens, Lori and Haley shared a walk-in closet that has a window that's constantly unlocked. So easy. I'm really surprised the cop that was guarding the room didn't hear them come in. Yeah, totally, because when they, like, get in the window, they they were like, Dean fell into Sam. I mean, you didn't see it, but you could hear it. The thump, thump. Yeah. And, uh, and then you could hear them argue back and forth. Hey, be quiet. Me be quiet. You be quiet. The cop is deaf in his right ear. Yeah, right ear. I think right that was ear. the ear he had facing the closet. Yes. As they just stumbled through, knocked all the shoes off the wall, broke shelves, <laughs> just mayhem in there. The cop decides, you know what? This would be a great time to abandon my post and leaves. Cigarette break. And as our boys investigate, this is where I got a wee bit frustrated along the lines that you were already mentioning. Mm-hmm. Because one, they point to their noses and say loudly, gee, you smell all that ozone? Man. Never smelled ozone this strong before. So much ozone. Uh, what ozone? What ozone are you talking about? Remember when we like, met Baby Mary and we smelled ozone? No! Remember when we dealt with the baby ghost hands and smelled ozone? No! Man, remember when the Impala reeked of ozone for weeks because of the white lady? No! Or, sorry, lady in white? Woman in white. <laughs> Woman in white, whatever. That white person. <laughs> she wasn't even white. I mean, I mean ectoplasm. That I could maybe understand. I don't know if it has a smell, but I could imagine it having a smell because it's all slimy and gross. But ozone? Like, I feel like this just popped up out of freaking nowhere because... I don't think it ever comes up ever again. No, I don't think it does either. (sighs) Fucking ozone. What does ozone have to do with spirits and ghosts? Now, here's the second part that you already kind of mentioned. Mm-hmm. Because you mentioned you don't know the actual legend. And yes, I gave some of the legend. In fact, I gave all of the legend. Yeah. Now, when we woke up with Lori and we saw the overkill message scratch into the wall that undermines our hook person's whole character, <laughs> I was already thinking that this situation 
was eerily close to my least favorite horror story. Ugh, like, I, I, I'm looking around the room and, ugh, I can't stand it. What's it's, your least favorite horror story? Hmm. I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. Alright. Okay, I don't know if it's a horror story or an urban legend or what, but, and I don't even remember who told it to me. I'm gonna be really happy, though, if your story is the same as mine. That would be interesting. <laughs> but there was, there's a story about, you know, an escaped mental hospital patient, and there's this girl who has a dog, and she yes! goes to bed, and story! she hangs her That's hand down for the dog to lick her hand, and then the <gasps> next morning, her dog is dead, and <gasps> it was the patient licking her hand. And written in blood on the wall or in the mirror said, Humans I can lick I hate too. that story so much. I can never hang my hand over the side of the bed. I can nope. never hang my hand over the nope, side nope, of the bed. Nope. Ever. Ever since then, I can't even have, like, my toes uncovered. Because what if somebody licked my toes? Yeah. And, like, I have a dog. <gasps> so, like, if my hand just happened to slip over the side of the bed and he decided to fucking lick me, I would punch him. I have a d- And I don't want to punch my dog. So that's your least favorite horror story, too? It haunts me. It Oh my god, that's me. crazy! <sighs> like, I've never gotten over that one. No, me neither. So, wow. So when she wo- I love you. I love you, too. <laughs> so when she woke up and read, Aren't You Glad You Didn't Wake Up Last Night? I was just like, No! Stop! <laughs> this is the worst! <laughs> just kill me now! I can never be alone again! <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I felt like the 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 reaction, you know, that that gut reaction, that message was the same as to humans can lick too. Ugh. Uh, uh, uh. Sam okay. and Dean say, "Oh, this is straight out of the Hook story. This is exactly what Hook person does." And nope, I'm sorry, Dean. I'm sorry, Sam. You two are wrong. Sue. They've never been wrong before. <laughs> never. I looked it up because I had I had already done, you know, I had done my Wikipedia research on our hook mm-hmm. person. And nowhere were bloody messages mentioned. So I had to see if this message was legit. And it is legit, but it turns out that aren't you glad you didn't wake up in the middle of the night? And aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Sorry, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? And humans can lick too are related urban legends. Oh, God. Yes. And the aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light is pretty much specifically to people in dorm rooms. And the dog one is more house related. But they're still connected urban legends. And variations of these stories date back to the 1800s. No. Because... Ugh, it just, you know why it gets to us so badly, I think? Because something is going on while you're unconscious? Because you're supposed to be at your safest. You're supposed to be at yeah. your most vulnerable. But you're, you, you are assured and safe in your vulnerability as you sleep. And then turns out you were never safe at all. So how can you ever feel safe again? It's like core shattering. Yeah. Ugh. Seriously, if that ever happened to me, just put me in a padded room, one little cell, and I get to have the key that locks the door from the inside so I can... Yeah. Ugh. No. Anyways, so glad we got to share in our completely matching 
horror and distaste. (laughs) (laughs) The boys figure out that this symbol matches the amulet, medallion, whatever thing that hung from the hook of their killer, Preacher Carnes. And we now get our third attempt at salting and burning shit. Is it our third attempt? They try. They did not try with our lady in white. Ha, ah, I got it. Mm-mm. Woman in white. Woman in you white. were close. They m- might have tried with dead in the water if they had... They would have if there had been a body. Yeah. And then they didn't try anything with Bloody Mary. Oh, I said it should. <laughs> Just don't say it two more times. Exactly. <laughs> And this is our fourth. This is our fourth chance. This is our fourth opportunity, but our really our first time <laughs> to salt and burn some shit. Trouble is, man, darn it, his grave's not marked. I call bullshit. It is technically marked. You're right. Yeah, it has his symbol right on it. Yeah. I mean, it may not be his name, but that's his symbol. It's a they symbol. They put a mark. So I guess on that grave. And like, if you tell me unmarked grave. I'm thinking he don't even have a headstone. Or if he does, it's just a simple headstone with no markings on it. But no, there's his symbol, front and center, marked. Oh, okay, Miss Pedantic. Sorry. No, I love it. Nitpick away. Please. Destroy <laughs> this. No. <laughs> and man, Redeen has a really tough time digging that grave. <laughs> But man, doesn't he look good doing it? Yeah, I mean, he took off his coat and everything. Single layer, Dean. Mm-mm-mm. All day, air day. So, in the meantime, the boys are going to actually try and prevent further deaths. Hey, look at them. Hey. <laughs> By trying to figure out where and why our non-gendered hook person will attack next. Dean, in his least smart moment, says... I think it's tied to Lori, since everything's happened around Lori. No, Sam says that. No, Dean says it, because I remember, I'm gonna argue with you here, because in this moment he picks up a parking ticket. No, he says um, her dad, he thinks it's her dad, because other preachers... No, that's not until later. (sighs) Fine. mm, I'm gonna fight you on this. I believe you. I believe you. Okay, but I remember because as Dean is saying this, he's looking at a parking ticket and I was real confused (laughs) because I watched it twice and a parking ticket never came up again. (laughs) And so I had to wonder, is that a real parking ticket? (laughs) Or he just doesn't pay him. It was just a random detail that I fixated on. I I wanted to know what that parking ticket was about and what it meant to the story. It meant nothing. Well, I think it just showed, like, yeah, I got a parking ticket. I'm not going to pay it. I don't know. Anyways, they go and attend a frat party, which I think they attend a frat party by accident because we don't see them in a motel room. So I believe they're actually staying at this frat house, rooming up with Murphy and doing their research. Yes. (laughs) At the frat house. Yes. That is great. Sam says he didn't live the party life, and I think he's right, because evidence shows that he went out on yachts and drank martinis and did portside yoga with Bex, Jess, Zach, and our unnamed guy from the Halloween party. Yeah. And, like, even when he was at the Halloween party, he looked a little uncomfortable, except when he was looking at Jess. Yeah. Because he doesn't do shots, Hannah. I'm not comfortable doing shots. But you put a finely crafted cocktail in front of me, and hell yeah. 
I will do that. Uh, I had my first martini a few weeks ago, and it was pomegranate. Ooh. I thought I'd like it because I like pomegranate, but maybe I just don't like martinis. Martinis are mostly alcohol with a splash of something else. If you want to do a martini-style drink with a more palpable alcohol, do a martini and ask them to make it with coconut rum. Ooh. Yes. That I could do. Yes. Because there was a time I just drank coconut rum, and that was interesting. Coconut rum is basically a liqueur and not a straight alcohol. But I can't do vodka, so anytime I want a martini, I have to ask them to replace it with rum or gin. So, and it's still, it's still a martini. Martini is basically put it in a special glass with lots of alcohol and a couple splashes of other things. Great. You're done. Add a twist. If you add a twist, do you know what that means? Lime. Yes, sort of. It's, you actually just peel off the skin or the rind of the lime and it forms a little curl and you drop that into it and adds a little lime flavor or lemon flavor. Yeah, I was right. You were super right. So, they're at this party. And I kind of hated this part because Dean acted like he didn't know college was like this. And Dean is not so sheltered, so I don't know who he is performing for in this moment. He just, he just looks so impressed with everything, like, wow! It's just like the movies! <laughs> I thought it was all fake. Alright, so the re- research. Get this. Throughout the century, uptight preachers have been framed for a bunch of murders they claim they didn't do. Mm-hmm. So either Daddy is summoning this creature in order to protect his daughter... And this is our second reference to a poltergeist. Or our hook person is drawn to daddy's repressed emotions and feeding on his fears and shit. Which they were, you know, really close on that one. Yeah. They're really good. They're nailing it in one in this episode pretty much every time. (laughs) More or less. More or less. So Dean regretfully leaves the party to go grave hunting. I'm really proud of him, though. Passing up the party to go desecrate a grave? Like, good on ya. He found several people at that party that he was carnally attracted to. He said, everybody here is beautiful in their own right, and I'm attracted to all of you. (laughs) But I gotta go hunt a ghost. (laughs) So, Sam goes to keep an eye on Lori, because the sex eye-banging. Yeah. At the graveyard, Dean finds a gravestone marked the same symbol and says, gee, I bet this is and starts thinking while griping about how much he wants Why? to watch. Why? Because it was marked with his symbol. <sighs> okay. Hold on. He finds a gravestone marked the same symbol, and what? he's... Are you done? Yeah. <laughs> and he starts digging while griping about how much he wants to watch cute girls through windows. So cut to Sam watching Lori and her dad fight through their window. Because that's not creepy at all. The lights go out in the house, and Lori walks outside to say hi to Sam because he made no effort to hide that he was lurking outside. Nope. In the name of chivalry, I guess. She says she called the cops, but I think she said that jokingly. No, yeah. She, She was absolutely cool with him being there. She was joking about the cops. And it's not cool. It's creepy. I'm sorry, but you don't know this boy. She has talked to him once. And seen him thrice. Like, seen him from a distance three times. Talked to him once. You don't know this person. He came up. He was weirdly interested in consoling you after your kissing partner's death. And now he's lurking outside your house. 
to protect so, oh, you. I was worried about you. And she's like, well, you should probably stay away from me. And he's like, why would you say that? As if people aren't dropping like flies all around her. Yeah, they, she immediately goes into the I'm cursed, get away speech. Yeah, she, she plays the good girl pretty well, but she just about pounced on Sam after her teary-eyed routine. Oh, man. Yes. So Lori continues her rant. And starts dishing about how her dad is seeing a married woman is such a hypocrite. And meanwhile, we see No Layers Dean salt and burn the ghost. Mm -hmm. But there's still ten minutes left, and Lori is still talking to Sam, so we know that Dean didn't do his job right. And Sam is just staring at her because she just dropped up. He taught me, raised me to believe that if you do something wrong, you will get punished. And he's just staring at her and remains frozen as she leans in for a hug. And then she pulls back and just lays a big one on him because she's wild. And he's into it for a moment. But then he soft voices her. But then he remembers his love. Because Jess. I still remember, like, back when I first watched this... I loved that he told her no, that he loved Jess that much, that even though Jess was gone, he couldn't just make out with some pretty girl he just met, because he loves Jess. And, like, I was surprised, and I loved Sam for that. And now you're just like, yeah, Sam, be a fucking decent person. (laughs) (laughs) Use Jess's memory in vain in order to get close to this woman falsely to solve a case. But don't fucking make out with said victim. Daddy comes to the door to judge his daughter, because that's what preacher daddies do. But then he's hooked from behind by our hook person. She barely moves, but Sam is ready with a shotgun and runs to save daddy. Yeah, I mean, if I were her, she comes in a second after it disappears, but, like, I would have been like, why this this guy I don't even know just ran into my house and started shooting? To be fair, she just saw a person attack her dad, which kind of validates the fact that this creepy weirdo that she tried to make out with was lurking outside of her house with guns. Yeah. <sighs> don't you love it when you kind of like an episode, but as you work your way through it, you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, this doesn't make any sense. So yeah, Sam gets one shot in, but then the second shot misses. But hey, Sam's getting better. He is getting better. Yeah. I realized that. At the hospital, Sam is describing the situation to that same sheriff that arrested him earlier. Oh, and he's really laying it on thick with the yes sir, no sir. Like, I've never done anything wrong in my life. Look into my giant puppy eyes. To be fair, Hannah, he was raised by a former former Marine. So <laughs> Yeah. Those sirs are drilled India. I like when Dean comes up and he's like, that's my brother. Hey, brother. Yes, the famous hey, brother shot from Tumblr. I love it. Sam gives Dean the lowdown and now they think that the hook person is following Lori and killing the people she thinks are immoral. Rich for feeling her up. Party girl Haley, even though she didn't do anything to her, but whatever. Yeah, didn't do nothing. The adulterous father, which... I'm going to say the men in her life, yes, valid. <laughs> but Haley? Haley didn't do nothing wrong. Haley she was just it. living her truth and offering advice and guidance whenever Lori was looking for it. So, yeah. fuck Lori for judging her. Um, I thought it was weird that Dean was like, you saw him? And Sam was like, it looked like him. <laughs> I know, I thought that too. And I was like, you didn't see anything but black. 
what are you talking about? And looked like him? All you have is a little illustration in, like, 100-year-old paper. Okay, but Hannah, <sighs> if you thought my sibling is out, if you thought I was out there ghosting a ghost, <clears throat> all right? That's not the definition of ghosting, I, I know. But if I was out there making a ghost disappear, and meanwhile, you were protecting somebody, and you saw a ghost with a hook appear, would you think to yourself, damn it, Kendall did not do her job. <laughs> Our hook person is still here. I see a person, they are wearing a hook, they are trying to kill me and this person here. Hmm. Looks like hook person is present with us today. Wait, let me do a quick seance, quick seance. Um, everyone join hands? Mm, yes. This looks like it's a person. Is this Jacob Carnes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the moment when they realize, damn it. The only thing not in the coffin was the hook. I like this because they were saying, you know, the weapon was the source of his power. So we have to salt and burn the weapon because that ties into the lore that you looked up where it was like, you salt and burn the body, you salt and burn the place, you salt and burn the weapon. Yes, so this is the moment when the boys realize it's not just the body you need to salt and burn. So maybe this is the moment when they look back on their recent past and think, huh, if we had salted and burned the woman in White's house. Hmm. Yeah, that probably would have done it. Maybe we had salted and burned Baby Han's bike. Maybe if we had salted and burned the mirror, yeah, we wouldn't have had our eyeballs scrambled. That is a damn good point. Sheriff Jake would still be alive if they had salted and burned that bike. It was buried underground right next to the lake. Yeah. Baby Ghost Hands is still alive in that lake, ready and waiting. <laughs> you can't prove me wrong. Yeah, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I want to point out... They said, you know, wouldn't somebody notice a bloodstained hook around the church? And I just, I don't think it would be bloodstained. Yeah, Amanda doesn't really hold stains. But I do like that their first thought was, all right, he was a prisoner. He wasn't buried with his hook. Where do hooks go when prisoners die? <laughs> <laughs> and they did the research and turns out hooks go to churches. <laughs> prisoners die. That's where they go. Realizing, okay, the church would know if, if they had a hook, so let's go look at church records to see what they did with the hook. And at this point, they find that it was reforged into something else. Interesting, though, that they didn't say what it was reforged into. They just reforged. I think if the boys had spent ten more minutes in the library. They could have figured it out. They could have looked at, like, the next ten items on the list and say, oh, what's new to the church? <laughs> and, like, I wonder, was it just the pendant or also the chain? I think it would have made a nice candelabra. It was a pretty sizable hook. But here's what I have to think, is the hook wasn't pure silver. And so when it was reforged, maybe a lot of the impurities burned away and they took out the stuff the silver was mixed with. And so there wasn't as much silver and that silver was enough to make a cool Egyptian-style amulet. Okay. Yeah, it did look kind of like the Ankh. It did. They decide we need to go to the church and the parsonage and find all their silver just to be safe. Even the stuff that just looks silver. So it's going to be a weird day when Lori and Daddy come back and they're like, 
I feel like things are missing. <laughs> well, even though they never explain anything to Lori, she overheard some, we got all the silver. But I wonder if she, like, told her dad that or not, because the dad's probably like, not only was I attacked in my own home, but they took all my silver. We are now impoverished. The church is going to wonder where all of our silver went. <laughs> Daddy, it's in the fire, okay? It's just been reforged into a puddle <laughs> filled with salt. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, Daddy. It's okay. <laughs> so the boys are burning and salting. Wait, they just threw salt on the fire, so now it's a salty fire. It's gonna <laughs> insult you every time you turn around. And <laughs> they're just throwing shit into they're it. They're gonna put salt on that burn. <laughs> maybe that's where the phrase came from yeah uh but then the boys hear some creaking upstairs and they go and to investigate and in the sanctuary they see what i thought at first was an old lady (laughs) (laughs) but is actually Lori, looking a little frazzled praying and crying so of course sam is the one to go comfort her because they already made out so why wouldn't he yeah She's praying for forgiveness because she now realizes, oh, damn, everybody I thought should be punished is being attacked and or killed. So it must be me. Which, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's your it, fault. I mean, good on her for connecting the fucking dots. Yeah. I yeah. don't think I would be so quick to believe that random thoughts and or convictions I had actually had physical effects in the real world. Oh, I would, I would, I would reach that conclusion pretty fucking quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm fifty fifty. Sometimes I can just be like, "Yep, supernatural, one hundred percent," and then the other fifty percent is, "No, there's definitely a logical explanation for all of this." Oh, like I overestimate and underestimate my effect on the world. <laughs> I'm going to do this thing. It could have either zero effect or. All the effects. He's like, well, nothing really matters. Or, you know what, all of this is my fault. Even subconsciously, I brought this on myself. <laughs> oh, World War Three? Yeah, yeah, that's on me. That's, yeah, that, that initial conflict with Russia? Uh, mm, gotta say, I had that candy bar. <laughs> that, I knew I shouldn't. I knew I shouldn't. It wasn't healthy for me on that day. I had not calculated the carbs correctly, so... No, the conflict with Russia started because I kind of lost interest in Tattoo once (laughs) it came out that they weren't actually gay. (laughs) Yep. Once I knew that the Russians were faking it, I lost interest, and now we have war with Russia. I mean, what can I say? What can I say? (laughs) So... At this point, we have a very intense action scene with our hook person. And I kept waiting for Sam to just pull out a carton of salt and make himself a damn circle. (laughs) They have not figured that out yet, I guess. No, they haven't. That would have helped so much in this scene. Ugh. Like, seriously, just stick Lori in her circle. (laughs) (laughs) And start burning silver, and you've solved this. You've solved the whole day. Instead of put baby in the corner, (laughs) we're going to put Lori in a circle. (laughs) Put Lori in the circle. Put Sam in the circle. Put the dog in the circle. Put the church in a circle. Put the whole damn church in a circle. Seriously, just put the church in the circle, and then you can burn all silver at your leisure. But no, they're, they're on a time crunch because, you know, our hook person got mad skills in the hooking of people. 
I, I do think it's strange, though, that it, it... I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it's also sort of strange to me. Like, I do my master's bidding. Now my master wants me to attack her? Okay. Well, yes, because... Well, she explicitly says I should be punished because it's her convictions that cause two people to be killed and her own father yeah. attacked. So now she wants, she's almost suicidal in a way, and this ghost is more than willing to assist her. Yeah. So it's chasing them all through the church, trying to kill Lori, and it almost has Lori in its grasp when Sam pushes her out of the way and has his arm attacked instead. Yeah, it was, like, weird. Got him, like, close to the elbow. Yeah, it was, ugh. like, ugh. They did a really close and really useless close-up on his face to show just how much pain he is. Like, sl he was in slow-mo pain. This is a significant amount of pain. <laughs> Look at my face! <laughs> Look at how much elbow pain I'm in! <laughs> to be fair, that'd be a, quite a bit of pain. Oh, yeah. So... Our ghosty wants to drag Lori away so he can, sorry, so they can hook her in peace. But after Hook Person drags her away, they just sit back and wait for Sam to catch up. Because I think they're having fun just knocking Sam around. I mean, so, I think a lot of monsters do. Yeah, they just enjoy knocking them boys around. I mean, who would enjoy knocking them boys around? So he knocks Sam against the wall, and Hook Person is approaching Lori for the kill. Sam is behind them, contemplating the logistics of tackling a ghost, when <laughs> we hear Dean yell duck, and he shoots our ghosty, and ghosty disappears for a minute. Now, they done burned all the silver. They hadn't missed nothing. So... They figure, yes, we must have missed something, when Sam checks out Lori's boobs and sees, oh, hey, you have a silver necklace. <laughs> Fancy that. He just grabs it, just, just grazes all the boobs. And as he grabs the necklace, we see a scratch ominously forming along the hallway wall. That's the sound of hook against plaster. Is it? it is, is it, though? It is. Sam and Dean do a really fun toss-off. Wait, no, that's not the no, phrase. No, <laughs> no, no. I don't, I don't like the sound of that. They uh. switch They switch possessions via tossing. <laughs> and know, Sam just drops... Coming from you, it just, it still doesn't sound right. Okay, well, they toss each other what the other person has. Oh, God. But Sam drops the salt bullets. Although he does catch the gun, so... All right. <laughs> I think Lori actually collects the bullets for him and then just holds them in front of her, like, between her legs, like, in front of herself. Not, like, between her legs, like, yeah, yes, and if you uh -huh. want these bullets, you gotta... Gross. Gross. You gotta Stop it. the pussy. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> no, she just has them in front of her at his disposal as she leans back and is freaking out at this thing attacking them. Sam shoots, I think, maybe, misses because of a terrible shot. He does manage to reload with his very hurt arm, but he's struggling. And as he goes to shoot, his gun is knocked away because, again, terrible shot. But luckily, Dean is played by Ackles, who is a very fast runner, and he gets the necklace in the fire, and we see our first ghosty burn up. It was a pretty good one. He is gone. Our next scene, it's daylight now. So, took them all night. Benefit of the doubt, it's now 6 a.m. high summer. 
I don't know. <laughs> Dean is explaining the sitch to a very skeptical sheriff. Like, I feel for this sheriff. He has had a crazy week. Especially as it pertains to, like, these two and Lori. Yeah. And it's like Dean's story... It's not so much the story, it's his tone. His tone makes it unbelievable, but the sheriff can't really hold him on anything. So of course he's frustrated, because he's like, it really fucking sounds like you're lying, but there's nothing I can do. Please get out of my town. Oh, of course, officer. An alien came down and abducted me, and we danced the waltz. They took half my organs, did some dyes on them, and gave them back, and now I'm good, and I know how to waltz. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Come on, officer. Don't you believe me? Yeah, no, this, this poor sheriff. Look at this award-winning smile. Mm-hmm. The ambulance finishes fixing up Sam, who has a final heart-to-heart with Lori, while Dean watches subtly from the car. I don't know what happened, but I do know you saved my life. She didn't have that much of a country accent, but mm, southern. But it, it's it's weird that she has been through this scenario and isn't just like, so, go surreal. Cool. <laughs> I don't know what happened in there, but... I can't explain it. It, it must have been God. God and his demons. And you are an angel sent by God to protect me from the demons within a church. So more kisses, please. Sacred ground. Yep. Cool. So, okay, she doesn't know about the supernatural. This one's a win. They did a case, and no one learned about the supernatural. I mean, she's dumb, but technically they didn't tell her anything. Yep. Good job, boys. <laughs> Dean who is wanting to encourage Sam's healing, offers to stay, offers to stick around. But Sam is just too fueled by anger and hurt and revenge. And don't forget, this episode started with Sam being frustrated at their thwarted search to find their father. So it kind of comes around full circle. Yes, this is a win today, but this isn't the win that I need. So no, we're not going to stay. Healing with Lori, that's that's not what he needs because it's still too soon after Jess and even allowing that kiss, I imagine, felt like a betrayal. Well, it would be a rebound and a rebound is just a band-aid. It doesn't actually heal anything. It just makes you forget that you were hurt without ever going and addressing the hurt, you know? Yeah. So, they drive off in the Impala. Surrounded by darkness. Hannah, yeah. let's talk about themes. I have some. Tell me them. Having to burn an object instead of a body. Absolutely. Well, not really instead, because they did burn the body, but having to burn an object since the body didn't work. Yeah, having the, the object clincher, if you will. There's a word. I, I want to say, like, sacred object, but I, I've, yeah. there's a word that they use later on. There is. And someone listening to this is yelling at us right now. Yeah. Yeah, nope. Got nothing for you. <laughs> I have a theme of, they got a case from the news. It's a news case. Oh, like not from a paper, yeah. Yeah. I have a theme of Sam's few love interests, one that didn't die. <laughs> I had written that down as Sam's lost love. I think I like yours better. <laughs> one of the few who did not Bite the bullet. <laughs> or bite the hook. Congratulations, Lori. 
I have a theme of Dean being gross, saying, Oh, you believe her? Yeah, I thought she was hot, too. Checking out the librarian's ass. Oh, sorority girls, think we see a naked pillow fight? Oh, stay yeah. out of her underwear drawer. Yeah. Like, yeah. I do notice, though, that with the episodes, I switch between describing Dean as gross or positively describing him as a slut. <laughs> like, sometimes I'm okay with Dean, and sometimes I'm unhappy with how lecherous they make him out to be. Yeah. I, I've only actually met one person that I know would go through a panty drawer, and after that day, I never had anything to do with him. Horrible person. Because you are a smart girl who was raised right and can be trusted to go out in the world on her own. <laughs> and and goes home and cries to her mom about everything that happened the first time she got drunk. Ah, <sighs> uh, Any other themes? Dean being a genius with the rock salt. Yes. That was very smart. I had that in the opposite fashion, which is Dean belittling Sam's education. He has two lines of, so this is how you spent four years. And then also the, you don't have to be a college grad to be a genius. Yeah. Yeah. He's real mad that Sam went to college without him. He is. He is. He just wanted to go to college, too. Be educated with his little bro. Do you have any more? Uh, the only other theme is our new theme called Library. <laughs> <laughs> it's officially a theme, okay? Officially. Officially. I can think of at least two other times we have libraries showing up, so at least twice more we can have library as a theme. What did you hate and what did you love? I didn't like Lori. You know what I hated? What? I didn't like Lori. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't until talking about it that I realized, like, oh my god, why is she like this? She doesn't make any sense. Yeah. She trusts weird people she shouldn't trust. Yeah, and she's dumb. She doesn't drive away in the car. Mm Mm-hmm. She's rude to her possibly sleeping roommate. Super judgy for no reason. Yeah. Haley uh, didn't do anything to her. She literally did nothing to her. She was... Lori was judging Haley purely based on who Haley is. Which, yeah. as far as I could see, Haley was harming nobody in her life. Brad was forcing himself upon a person who was saying no. So, yes, absolutely. I don't. He did not deserve to die, but... A jury of his peers, absolutely. He deserved a lesson, mm-hmm. not a permanent sentence. Exactly. Her father was hurting people in terms of hurting his girlfriend's husband and his girlfriend's children. So, mm-hmm. yes, he is taking actions that affect and hurt people. So, In, in his case, I do think he learned a lesson. He did learn a lesson, but he would have died, and that would not have been appropriate. What did Haley do that was hurting anybody? Being judgy? Not even. She oh, wait, no, no. Lori was being judgy. Lori was being judgy. That's what she did to hurt people. Haley was being a sweetheart. Yeah, she seemed like a pretty good friend to me. Even if I didn't want to do the activities she was, she was suggesting, she was trying to be a supportive friend. Yeah, a social and supportive friend. She went to church with Lori. And that's why, at first, I was a little confused as to whether she was a roommate or a best friend. Because she 
perfectly played the role of a best friend, not just a roommate. Yeah, I definitely think they were friends and not just roommates. Yeah. Another real quick small hate. In the library, Sam and Dean handled all those old-ass documents without gloves. Just want to put that out there. Did not like that. All those hand oils. All those hand oils over those ancient 150-year-old documents. (laughs) What are you doing, Sam? You should at least know better. Since apparently this is what you did for four years. Which is bullshit. (laughs) It's bullshit. Sam did not do this researching 150-year-old documents for four years. He is lying. He's just posing for his big brother. Yeah. Hannah, what did you love? I really loved the brotherly moments in this episode, like when they came in through the window and they're like, you be quiet. No, you be quiet. And (laughs) in the hallway when he was like, that's my brother. Hey, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Like, those made me happy. I loved the research in this episode. Oh, yeah, they did a great job. It really felt like they did a good job of following one clue to the next. We need a killy ghost. All right, who has killed in this town? Oh, Carnes. So now we need to protect the family, salt and burn the ghost. Salting and burning didn't work. Ah, possessions. We didn't get his possession. Where do prisoner possessions go? Mm, To the church. Ah, church record says it was made in something else. So let's go to the church. Let's salt and burn anything silver. Systematic investigation. Yes. For an episode that's really not hailed as one of the greats, especially of the first season, mm-hmm. it definitely had a lot of great logical research that made me very happy. I want you to look up the deleted scenes for this episode. Like, I, I want you to see, like, the difference in that, you know, first scene of her and Brad. I, and that's why I'm saying, I feel like if this episode hadn't gone back to the, not the chopping block, but... Writing board? If they hadn't set it back for reworking, it would have easily been one of the cheesiest, worst episodes. Oh, yeah. But as it stands, I think this is the best episode of the season so far. It's watchable. It's scary enough without being too scary. It's got more or less great logic to it. Either this or Skin is the best episode of the season so far. Mm, I think this one's better than Skin. But, I mean, as far as entertainment value, it's not one of my favorites. I mean, like I said, I don't have many notes on it, but I agree with you that they solved the case. They did a great job. There were just, there were fewer moments for me where I was taken out of the episode by logical fallacies. By how bad they are at their job. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Like, they, they were actual hunters in this episode. I honestly wondered... So every TV show where you have different people writing for the same show, you have a show Bible where it's like, these are the rules for writing this show so that we can have a consistent show even if different writers come in and out, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like either they already had a show Bible that nobody else was following (laughs) or that this episode became part of the show Bible. Yeah. You feel me? Because this episode felt so much like later seasons, at least in terms of how the case progressed. Maybe not so much in character development and the personal talks, but it felt like I was watching Supernatural. Yeah, I agree. In a good way. In a good way. So yeah, I liked this episode. I know you say I know you said you didn't like it, but I liked it. I weren't mad at it. Well, I mean I like it more having discussed it with you. I am a good arguer like that. <laughs> 
You debater. think it's a bad episode, but just talk to me. I'll tell you. I'll convince you why it's good. <laughs> you know, it's not good, Hannah. Global warming. Next time. Your favorite color. Your favorite color. Next time on Sisters Talk Brothers, we're going to be watching Season 1, Episode 8, Bugs. Oh. After a construction worker is killed by insects burrowing into his brain, Sam and Dean investigate the town's history and find that the new housing development is being built on sacred Indian land. The Indians put a curse on the land after the reservation had been ravished and destroyed. Sam and Dean must find a way to survive and kill the deadly swarm of bees, locusts, spiders, and beetles. That comes courtesy of the Supernatural Wiki. One thing we do get from Bugs is the assumption of Sam and Dean's relationship. That's the first time that comes up. Oh, you're right. We'll get to it. That's when the incest really starts. <laughs> if I remember correctly, the number one failing of this episode, like the moment when... I stopped enjoying it as a show and just wanting to leave the room, hands in the air, what the fuck, get me out of here, was that they tried to pitch an idea that was far beyond their CGI capabilities. Yeah. Like, maybe this could have been decent and could have been scary if the special effects weren't downright laughable. Yeah, I love how they poke fun at it later on, like, did you have to live through the bugs? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, when they're talking about the supernatural books? Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, demons in one thing, but bad writing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're so right. I remember that now. Oh. The episodes where Supernatural pokes fun at itself are my favorite episodes. Because yes. there is so much to love about this show. But I feel like you can't love this show if you don't also understand that it has bad moments. And those bad moments are kind of what makes the show funny and lovable. Yeah. Brother, you lied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, is, is Bugs the one where we get the shower scene with Dean at some point? Mm-hmm. Why do I remember so much about the shittiest episode of Supernatural <laughs> ever? Because this this is, right? This is hands down the worst episode of Supernatural, right? Yeah. Yeah, when I made Michael watch Supernatural, this was like the first episode I skipped entirely. I like how you made Michael watch Supernatural. There is not a person in your life, Hannah, who has not at least seen Supernatural. <laughs> you realize this, right? No. <laughs> who in your life has not seen Supernatural? I don't know, but I'll find him and make him watch it. <laughs> see see all right hannah kindle friends family my name is kindle and you can find me on tumblr i guess it's december 2018 so shit's going down we'll see but at the moment you can find me on tumblr at kindle abroad i am hannah and you can find me on tumblr at jailbreak fiend or everything overlord that's my Misha blog. Yeah, you know. And I haven't received any flags on Tumblr, so I think I'm fine. But also, you can reach the both of us at sisterstalkbrothers at gmail.com. I, I think we've talked it all. We have talked. 
we have talked at all. Alright, so tune in next week for more monsters, more brothers, and more sisters. Bye. Love you all. I got ahead of us. <laughs> That's okay. Let's jump around. Let's talk about everything and nothing at once. Okay. Summation of this show. <laughs> Non-gendered hook person. Non-gendered hook person. I've never been a sexy nurse in my life. I have been a sexy volleyball ref. <laughs> <laughs> Very specific, I know. Uh... <laughs> And I have been a sexy anime character. Ooh, that was just the anime character. They're just all sexy because fan service. Yeah, I mean, I was a sexy Ed, even though Ed, Ed is not a sexy character from Cowboy Bebop. Okay, see? Or we're just all socialized and life sucks. <laughs> Everything's sexy if you think about it. <laughs> Everybody is attracted to somebody. <laughs> Hey, that sounds like Dunlap. <laughs> Wait, now people know where I live. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Somewhere in Dunlap, there's a Hannah. <laughs> Somewhere. I actually met a Hannah at Hobby or at Party City the other day. Somewhere in Dunlap, there are two Hannahs. See She's if you can actually find them. pretty. I don't often meet other Hannahs that are pretty. <laughs> I meet tons oh, that was of ugly mean. Hannahs, even though everybody is beautiful in their own right. Everyone is beautiful in their own way. <laughs> Everyone is beautiful to someone. <laughs>